0: Things at this point are kind of coming full circle and you know we're thinking a lot about how do we help folks build connections equitably in a hybrid work environment. As some offices start to open up, it's gonna be so much easier to just organically build relationships with people you see face-to-face, which can actually lead to some pretty serious challenges and inequity around power dynamics, who gets thought of for projects, who gets promotions, um, really real impacts that we think we can help mitigate.
1: You're listening to Create Community. I'm your host, Marsha Drucker. On this podcast, we're exploring the human side of community. I'm chatting with some amazing community builders to define what community truly means joining me today is dan Mannion. after spending years working in product at fast growing startups dan co-founded donut to help teams foster cultures of connectivity and collaboration do you have a best friend at work well it turns out that that could be a game changer helping employees feel a sense of human connection is more important than ever for productivity loyalty and winning the war on talent In this episode, Dan and I chat about how to create rituals for your team that foster camaraderie and community. Dan also shares some great ideas around how to build connections equitably in a hybrid environment. Let's get started. Hi, Dan. Welcome to Create Community. I'm so excited to chat with you today.
0: Hi, Marcia. Thanks for having me.
1: So I like to start these episodes off by learning a little bit more about how you actually became a community builder and uh, some of your early journey growing up and some of the things that might have shaped you into the person that you are today. I know that music has been a really big passion of yours um, throughout your life and something that you got into pretty early in your journey. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. How did you get into music and and what exactly did you do with it?
0: So I, I grew up around music. Really, from the very beginning, my parents were both music lovers and my dad played piano and guitar around the house. My mom was in a chorus, but I got really serious about it in middle school when I started playing bass. And I think as a as a bass player, you're pretty much always playing with other people. It's not really a solo instrument. So really from day one, since I picked up the bass, I was always in a band. And I think a, a band is sort of a, a certain type of community i mean it's a group obviously but you have a a shared kind of purpose and and mission on some level but at that early stage i started building a community of other musicians that i played with Uh, whether it was people i was in a band with or not it's really always been uh, a, a part of my life
1: that's very cool. It's it's so good to have that type of community that that kind of grows with you. Was there ever a point, you know, when you were growing up, did you ever feel like you didn't have a community or felt like an outsider in any way?
0: I feel like I'm a part of many, many different communities and I think there've certainly been times where I've missed an element or type of community. So, you know, maybe when I first moved to a new city, I didn't have my music community yet and felt like you know, there was probably something I was missing and a little bit of an outsider there or, you know, I, I play a lot of basketball and there's lots of communities around that. And uh, sometimes I didn't always have that or you're kind of, you know, coming into a new pickup game and you feel a little bit like an outsider uh, until you can build some relationships and connect with folks.
1: It's a tough thing when you move to a new city, it, it doesn't happen right away that that you find your people and find your community. So yeah, at the beginning, of course, it could feel a little bit lonely. When you were choosing what to study in post-secondary, how did you kind of go about that decision and, and what did you end up studying?
0: So so I studied mechanical engineering and shows that I think I I always kind of loved math and physics, but I also really loved building and the more applied side of things, which is what what led me to mechanical engineering, which is obviously building physical things. Uh, For a while now in my career, I've been building software products. But I think a lot of the mentality around building something for other people to use
1: And how, how did you end up starting your career out of that? Like, how did you move from, from what you studied into, into doing software? And I'm sure there were, there were a lot of stops along the way as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. So the first place I worked after school was a interactive whiteboard startup. So we, uh, had a hardware product, but we also had a lot of software. Uh, we primarily sold our products to education and I was on, on the product team there and led a, led a design and innovation team there for a while. So I spent a lot of time understanding our users and their needs and why they wanted to use our product or what else they needed out of it. A big part of that was the hardware, but the software was also an enormous part of that.
1: So when you were working at that company, how did you sort of find your sense of community internally? Do you feel like there was a sense of community within the startup?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we were maybe in the 40 or 50 person size, all based in one office. So I think being co-located makes it easier to build connections. And, and I'm sure we'll get to that because that's <laughs> not the reality anymore. But, you know, having that that kind of a number, 40 or 50 people in uh, under one roof, um, I think there were a lot of opportunities. We had some rituals like a every friday the whole company had lunch together um kind of buffet style thing uh you know there's just sort of the natural working with different folks and meeting people cross-functionally and going out to lunch together you know if you go to lunch with a group of five maybe some new person tags along in your third week and you meet another person
1: I love that size of startup around 40 people I feel like that's sort of the point where you still sort of know everybody's names and you can recognize everyone you know like what exactly they do or sort of like the gist of it and as the company grows it's kind of it's tougher to maintain all of those connections but not impossible and there's there's lots of different ways that folks can do it So I want to jump into what you're building now, which is Donut. What inspired you to actually start Donut? And what is Donut for anybody listening who might not be familiar with it, who's maybe living under a rock?
0: Yeah, um, I'll start with the latter. Donut is a product that helps people within organizations get better connected, build stronger relationships that then helps drive community and camaraderie within your organization. It's used by companies and organizations and communities of of all sizes. Our product is uh, embedded within Slack. One of our philosophies is that uh, you shouldn't have to go somewhere else to meet people and connect with people. It should come to where you are. So in the old days when we were all under one roof, that might've been the water cooler or the hallway. And at this point, tools such as Slack have kind of taken the place of the hallway and the water cooler. In terms of why we started it, um, I'll actually go back to the my first job as an example. I, I mentioned we were maybe in the forty range when we started, um, but w- while I was there, we got we got well up over a hundred, and I really felt that shift in uh, you know going from all right at forty you kind of know everyone's name and what they do at least you know everybody's face, and then you get up over a hundred, you start wondering, well, is this person work here? Are they in here for an interview? I haven't seen this person before. <laughs> and as you know, I mean, you go from 100 to 500 to 1,000 to 5,000, as many scaling startups do, and there's whole new functions that you don't know a single person in. I had that experience multiple times in my career and and certainly had many friends and, and colleagues that have been through that multiple times and really felt like, there weren't any tools out there to help maintain that sense of connection that came so naturally on a 10, 20, 30 person team when you get up to 50, 100, 500 people. Frankly, without knowing exactly how we'd solve the problem, but we set out to solve the problem of how do we help people maintain and build connections at scale within organizations.
1: Very, very cool. So I actually I'm a big donut user myself. I, my career has been in tech right now. I work at a company called Bevy, uh, which is also in the community building space. And I joined just less than a year ago. I, I think I was employee 70 or something like that. Now we're um, over 200 and growing really quickly. And it's been an interesting experience onboarding. The company has always been remote, even before COVID. It was really small, but COVID kind of led to, to some of our, our very quick growth and, and some of the new products that we were able to launch. And I think Donut was such a huge part of me feeling a sense of community when when joining the company. So that's been really cool, and I, I see how it really applies to to quickly growing tech companies. Um, but I'm sure you have customers in, in all kinds of different realms. What other kind of organizations and, and customers does Donut work well for?
0: Thank you for, for sharing all that and for the kind words. So Donut works for and, and with a huge range of, of types of organizations. I will start at the small end, um, because that's actually changed a decent amount um, since the world has mostly gone to remote or hybrid work. I would say when folks were in one building under one roof, you didn't necessarily need Donut if you were 10, 20 people, because you just meet everybody and you, you see them. But one of the things that we've seen is 10-person startups really need and thrive with Donut when they're fully remote. And... That's because there's just so much less face time at the other end of the spectrum. uh, We have fortune 100 companies that, that use donut and you know, obviously they've, they've been big for a very long time. So it's, it's not the journey that you're in the middle of, and that I've been on where you sort of knew everybody and then you don't. Uh, But they similarly have the problem of sometimes you can feel actually pretty anonymous and alone in a massive multi-thousand person organization. And I I think one of the things we really help with is, is, you know, what you just described, but at a larger scale is you might not know a single person out of your 25 or 50 person department. And Donut can really help open up avenues um, across the organization. And what we see at those larger customers is they do tend to leverage Donut in some different and um, more varied ways. If you're a 10-person startup, you can probably set up one or two things in Donut, and we'll just help everybody connect with everyone. If you work at IBM, okay, you're never going to know everybody (laughs) at IBM. It's it's literally impossible. So you don't really have people that are like, all right, I want to know anyone and everyone at this company. So, so that's where you, we start seeing folks get more deliberate about what are the kinds of communities that get built within an organization. So we see it happen in some obvious ways, like a department or by geography, um, but we also see ERGs, employee resource groups, frequently embrace Donut because you're, you're collecting people to a certain identity and, and building bonds that, that probably cuts across all sorts of departments. We see people run things like peer learning and mentorship programs with Donut that might be a little premature at a 10 person company because you can kind of do some of that organically. But at a large scale, there's so many opportunities for folks to learn from each other. Um, But it's really hard to connect those dots and, and find those common interests.
1: So I'm kind of curious, how did you pick the name Donut? What's like, is there a story behind that?
0: Yeah, that's that that's a great question. At Donut, we've been extremely user driven uh, from the outset, and that user centricity really runs through everything we did. So the name Donut, you know, we 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 also love doing brainstorms. Um, we we still do kind of full full company brainstorms for certain things uh we did a a giant brainstorm lots and lots of ideas uh donut was obviously one of them and we actually made a, a short list of of our favorites and then i i went out and user tested them um so i actually would be having conversations around product and needs with folks and would finish finish the conversations with hey we haven't named our company yet would you like to weigh in which most people were excited to do because it's just kind of a fun thing um, and I'd share our short list of names and obviously I asked them their favorite but I also um, these were in-person conversations I was also looking at body language and just kind of reaction their facial reaction and just like how things landed and the word donut just like instantly made people smile and light up it was it was just sort of this like pleasant surprise because it's you know donuts make people happy they really do
1: (laughs) you've really built out the the product you've been at it for a while but i'm i'm kind of curious how you actually got started um you shared some of your initial vision but what were some of the first steps you took to actually make it happen and bring donut to life or or bring the sort of unnamed company to life at the time
0: yeah yeah i think the the two kind of key ingredients to how we thought about starting things and frankly how we still think about building new products is spending a lot of time with customers and sometimes those are really open-ended conversations asking about people's needs what's working what isn't working Um, i can tell you the first thing we built came directly out of those conversations we saw a lot of organizations that were kind of going through the journey of, you know, you go from 70 to over 200 people and people were trying to run coffee roulette programs to just help people meet each other and connect. And sometimes it was just being run out of a spreadsheet or somebody did a one day hackathon project and that wasn't quite enough to, to build something sustainable. And we really saw and heard those needs and thought there was, an opportunity to build a really seamless, easy-to-use tool on top of Slack that would do that. But before we even wrote a single line of code, we actually built a dozen or so, uh, what I call paper prototypes, because they were literally paper. They were sketches on paper, and we were meeting with folks and showing them different ideas and seeing what got people excited. And when we built the very first version of Donut, we already had a handful of folks that we're basically waiting, ready and waiting to try it out. Uh, the moment we, you know, we're ready to deploy it. Um, so the idea of being really close to your your customers and their needs, and then building really the minimal viable thing that we could we could give them to figure out, okay, is this going to work for them? Is this going to solve their needs? And we still do that today with, with new products.
1: Can you share a little bit about like, what are the different products that are available within Donut? What kind of things can, can people sort of run within there?
0: Our most popular product is called Donut Intros. And what it allows you to do is run a whole number of different programs that are all centered around, uh, allowing a group of people to opt in and then matching them up either in pairs or groups on a regular basis. So. When we built it, the very first application was basically what I described, like a coffee roulette, uh, program. Uh, when you set one of these up, you create a dedicated Slack channel, and then whoever in your organization wants to participate, all they have to do is join that Slack channel. And all you have to do is be in that Slack channel and then Donut will match you up with somebody and open up a multi-party direct message in Slack. And at this point we have. Um, Google Calendar integration and Outlook integration and Zoom integrations. So actually right from within Slack, we make it super easy to schedule a time and have the video call set up and all, and all those sorts of things. And at some of our large enterprises, We even have some that have more than 100 different Donut Intros channels uh, running for different purposes. It could be a peer learning channel. It could be um, this one company that does a program called Manager Circles that, you know, is small groups of managers talking about, you know, how to up-level themselves as managers. Um, So there's – and you can even see from those examples, there's sort of communities within the community of of the company, right? So, like, the managers themselves, that's that's a – a, a different kind of connection point amongst those those people.
1: That sounds amazing. I feel like I need that. I just became a manager officially at Bevy. I have someone reporting to me now. So something like that would be so useful, and I'd love to connect with other folks who are also in that sort of role. The other
0: kind of main product that, that folks use, uh, which was actually developed and launched during the pandemic because it was a, kind of a new emergent need, uh, is called Donut Water Cooler. And our Intros product is really designed to help you build kind of deeper connections on a less frequent basis. You might meet someone every two weeks and, and connect, have a conversation with them. But when the pandemic started, what we saw was people were really missing the daily, just sort of like micro interactions, just like the little bits of socialization that happened happen around an office organically. And human interaction was limited to like meetings with agendas and having a little coffee chat every single day with some different random person is frankly just not feasible so we developed uh, what's called donut water cooler which similar to intros you set it up in a dedicated slack channel except this time instead of matching everybody donut simply drops a prompt into that slack channel to be discussed in slack so we have a whole library of different packs and themes um, but it could be, how do you like your eggs, or what was your first job, or if you could be invisible or fly, which would you choose? You know, it's just an outlet to, to not talk about work. Some people jump in right away. Some people might want to watch it for a week to see how things go. But everybody else is, is answering, and it's sort of permission to be, okay, I can just be myself here, or I can talk about a non-work thing here.
1: You you touched on it a little bit, but I'm I'm curious how things have changed for you over COVID. It, it must have been like I'm assuming it was like explosive growth. Like how how has your team grown? How has your product grown? Was it was it really overwhelming at the start when when the first lockdown sort of started and everybody was flocking to to Slack and to remote work?
0: Yes, um, yes, it it. it... It was a lot in the beginning. We had an office before the pandemic, so we were figuring out remote work for ourselves, navigating the pandemic, of course. you know yeah. There were so many unknowns in, in March of 2020, while at the same time, we were absolutely flooded with, with interest and, and folks coming to us to help them stay connected. We didn't have a, a Zoom integration, as an example, before the pandemic, because pre-pandemic, most of our customers met in person donut would match you with someone and you'd go grab a coffee or go grab lunch we did have a bit of a following in the remote work community obviously there were some companies that were remote already so we were we were fortunate that um kind of word word got out that we were a great tool for that and we had to you know upend a lot of roadmap and create new roadmap to kind of serve serve the new needs donut water cooler is a huge example of that that was not on the roadmap before the pandemic started and and we saw that people needed a new thing
1: yeah that's that must have been wild i feel like for for any um company or startup that's doing something in the community space i feel like like march 2020 it was just explosive even interestingly enough that's that's when i launched this podcast as well and I started it like I started pre-recording episodes before the pandemic started and, wow. and yeah so I had like the first few interviews I did were in like a physical studio with local people in Toronto building in-person communities and that shifted very quickly and I've been able to connect with folks from all over the world you jogged my memories really like I've, I've I've been using Donut for a while like any startup that I have been part of over the years has has had it communities that I'm part of use it as well but I just remember it in 2017 at a different Startup that I worked for, it was in person. Like I I remember now, going for coffee with folks.
0: Yep, and and things at this point are kind of coming full circle, and you know we're thinking a lot about how do we help folks build connections equitably in a hybrid work environment. As some offices start to open up, it's going to be so much easier to just organically build relationships with people you see face to face which can actually lead to some pretty serious challenges and inequity around power dynamics, who gets thought of for projects, who gets promotions, um, really real impacts that we think we can help mitigate by creating more deliberate ways for the folks that do stay uh, remote in a hybrid environment connect with the larger team.
1: I, I want to chat a little bit more about what your internal team culture is like. You you touched on it a bit, like, you know, saying that before the pandemic, you were you were in person. Now you're you're pretty much all remote. What kind of things do you do, you do to build a sense of camaraderie internally?
0: Well, the obvious answer is we use donut, <laughs> um, but I'm not, I'm not going to leave it. We do use donut a lot, but we do a lot of other things as well. We're really big on number one. It's not just one thing. You need to do a lot of things and you know, no one thing is going to help everybody connect different people. There's introverts and extroverts and different interests and things like that. Um, so you, you really want to make multiple avenues available for folks to connect. We have a number of, of rituals that we do that I think help support connection and camaraderie. I can share a few of them, but but the list is actually, frankly, probably too to long <laughs> What's
1: your favorite one? Uh,
0: so I gave some of the examples of what we do with Donut already, so I won't use those, but those are definitely really important. But one of my other favorite ones that took us a, a little bit to figure out is when we were in person, we had a weekly team lunch that had absolutely no agenda. We just sat down for lunch, and when you sit down for lunch in person, conversation flows, you talk about whatever you talk about and when the pandemic started we kept that weekly team lunch slot and you know in the beginning we tried to just show up with food and eat together and it doesn't exactly work the same way we on <laughs> zoom and, and we pretty quickly realized having an agenda and something to talk about was was really important um we do a lot of different things in that slot but just the routine of the whole company is on a zoom together we also have one other ritual i'll share which is uh every two weeks we have a more structured all team meeting where we kind of have a, a deck and uh different folks on the team present updates of what they've been working on and you know literally everybody in the company might have a, a slide they talk about you know an engineer might share something that they built or we might get a marketing update or sales update um But at the end of that, we do something called Like, Wish, Wonder, where we go around and everybody shares one thing they like, one thing they wish, one thing they wonder, either about from the presentation or the past week or two. Um, And that, I think, really helps us listen to each other and hear what is bubbling up for different folks.
1: I love that, that's that's a really cool ritual. And I like how you sort of view it, you adjusted your lunch to, to fit what sort of makes sense in this remote world. It's always, I feel like that's where companies and, and, and folks that are doing events kind of um, go wrong when they try to just like replicate exactly what they did in person.
0: I, I think the, the other thing um, that's maybe a little more zoomed out thing about our, our culture is we really embrace running experiments In general for everything but including on ourselves and our own culture so if we have an idea for how to run the team lunch which by the way now it's called team brunch (laughs) because we span the whole US Um, so it's 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 1 p.m. in New York but 10 a.m. on the West Coast if somebody has an idea about how to run something differently it's like okay great let's try it let's see how it feels let's see what happens and as you grow things have to shift you have to reinvent your, your rituals. What works at 10 people doesn't work at 30, doesn't work at 100. Um, so you have to find new tactics and new ways to I think accomplish the same, the same goals of building connection and community.
1: So now I know that you've, you're working on on launching a community for, for Donut users across different organizations um, to kind of connect with each other. Um, what's the common element between these folks? Like, what are you calling them, and why now? Like, what inspired you to start this community?
0: The folks that are that are joining the community, I think the common thread is they are all people that are driving connection either in their workplace or in a community. Um, and have really taken on some kind of a leadership role in doing that. Interestingly, that, that is not, I, I know you mentioned some examples um, of other kind of Slack-based communities, like HR folks or a design community. And and there's a, a ton of really great communities kind of structured along those lines. But a lot of those are, are kind of functional areas, which makes sense. But what I think is really interesting about how we're thinking about this community is it doesn't necessarily have to be drawn along functional lines. Obviously, there are some people ops and HR folks who are in there and are really excited about connecting everybody in their company. Mm-hmm. but When we look at who embraces Donut and adopts Donut, sometimes it's a VP of engineering that is passionate about creating connection within their engineering organization. Uh, And we're really excited to bring folks together so that they can share what's working, ask questions, share some of the rituals like what what I shared. We're always learning from our customers. There's really creative things that people are doing in their organization, whether using donut or, or just, you know, a ritual that's really cool that other folks can adopt. So we're really trying to connect some of these connectors within organizations. As for kind of why now and what what triggered this, um, we, are, we obviously have a pretty large base of folks that, that we talk with on a regular basis. We run, we run a series of, of webinars um, called Donut Office Hours, which are for folks to learn more from whoever our, our guest is, or sometimes we share more about creative ways to use donut. And we, we saw in the, in the chat, in those webinars, there was so much great peer-to-peer conversation, just people attending and starting to Mm -hmm. brainstorm and share. And I think there was a little bit of, you know, why should this only live in a in a chat during a webinar? You know, we have all these great folks in our sort of broader donut community. Let's help bring them together.
1: I love that, and I love that you're not sort of just sticking to to one industry or one type of person. And you know, you're you're creating this this greater sort of mission of of folks that are connectors, connecting them to each other. That's something that I'm really passionate about as well. With the community that I run, with fuck up nights, uh, where we talk about failure, a lot of people kind of assume that it's it's for folks in tech, but I really make it my mission to to bring people from from across all kinds of different realms. So we have people who are artists and entrepreneurs and executives like all coming together and sharing their failures. And there's no reason why, you know, an, an artist can't learn from, from a tech entrepreneur and, and, and how they deal with failure. And I think it's a, it's a similar type of theme here. So that's really incredible. So what types of programs are you going to be running and, and how can folks get involved with this community?
0: It's in its early days. Um, to get involved, you should reach out to us um, and we can either get you, on, get you on the wait list or get you in there. So we are, we're starting to, you know, ask questions and share things along, along certain themes. One of the things that, and we may get to this a little bit more later that uh, we've started to touch on is, is how do you help people that join your organization, feel that sense of community and and build relationships. And it's so much harder to do when you're in a remote or hybrid environment than when you're in person. So we're doing some things where we're, you know, asking everybody what, what's some really great things that you've done where some great icebreakers? really, you know, hearing from folks and, and sharing expertise. We're also running a, a kind of fun using our, our, we have a, a lottery feature built into donut where instead of everybody meeting just one, one lucky pair gets to meet. So we're also doing a pretty cool program where, um on a regular basis two two random folks will get an intro and as part of that uh we'll we'll actually send you real donuts for when you (laughs) chat with the person from the community
1: I'd love to get into some of your advice for for community creators or connectors, as you call them, within organizations. First off, do you have any advice for listeners who are maybe just starting to shape a company culture uh, from scratch? Like, how how can they get started with it? What should they think about right from the beginning?
0: Yeah, every company's culture is, is different, obviously, and I don't think there's one Sort of right way, <laughs> one right culture. Course, yeah. I I do think there are things that you probably want to stay away from, but I think one thing that's common is is people having deep relationships with each other. Whatever your culture is, that's always going to be a positive thing, and that's actually how your culture travels and reinforces itself through people. Um, is it, it actually spreads through through relationships and rituals and things like that. Um, so. I think if if you're just getting started out, especially in this this, uh, kind of remote environment, is really try to help people build genuine relationships with each other. And that frequently means getting some one-on-one time with permission to talk about something other than the project that needs to be finished by tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I think integrating new hires and helping them honestly, just make friends in a company. In fact, there's some really interesting studies that show having a best friend at work really increases the odds of, of someone staying in an organization a long time. So yeah. it's like, how, how can we help people make best friends <laughs> when they may never actually meet in person or they may not meet in person for six months? Yeah. So I, I think coming up with some really deliberate purposeful rituals in your company is a really powerful way of doing that one of the things that we discovered really builds deep relationships is when you find commonalities with people and you can actually probably find something in common with with most people but it's a little harder to discover well you both love the same you know old tv show from the 90s uh it's a little harder to discover those things when you're not just grabbing lunch with people and it might come up so we've built some things in to help create lists of what are some of your favorite things and identify what's in common
1: yeah, that's that's really great advice. Thank you for sharing. So I want to go back to um, something that we kind of touched on before, and you know, I think there there's so many articles right now about the the war on talent being at an all-time high, and you know how how a lot of folks are sort of like rage quitting their jobs, or or just like the loss of loyalty for for companies when you're working remotely and and might feel kind of isolated if if there isn't sort of that great culture. I'm wondering if you have any advice for companies to kind of um, combat this or, you know, to, to to try to kind of like create a culture that that stops that.
0: I mean, the, the loss of, of loyalty, uh, I, I think that comes back really directly to are people building meaningful trust and relationships with their coworkers? Because if, you know, loyalty comes out of having a relationship with someone. Like, I mean, that's sort yeah. of like, how are you going to have that if you don't, if you don't feel some level of, of connection? And I, I think it's, it's frankly so, so much easier to, to switch jobs in a remote environment. If you're going from one remote company to another, you know, switching jobs used to be a pretty big life routine change. It's in a different location. It yeah. changes your commute, it changes all sorts of things that now it's, well, it, it, it changes what Slack workspace yeah, exactly. you <laughs> log into in the morning, so I think it's incumbent upon organizations to make work more meaningful than that, right? So that switching jobs is a bigger deal than just clicking <laughs> clicking different links and logging into different software systems. It's actually not getting to work with some great people that you really like, right? And having to having to give up something that you you're really connected with and, and really enjoy. I think there's probably a, a pretty pretty short window, honestly, and I think there's a lot of research that backs this up, that, you know, what happens in the first ninety days of somebody joining a company is a is is pretty big predictor of what's gonna happen over the long run. And helping folks really feel that human connection really quickly, I think is is really, really important.
1: Absolutely, I, you're you're totally right. I think like the first like 90 days, maybe even less. It's that's when you really have to feel like you're you're part of something, and you you want that spark to sort of start so you touched on this before but you know like now that a lot of companies are, are trying out this sort of hybrid workforce where people are are still some some are working remotely some are coming into the office that could sort of lead to to a sense of inequality people might get looked over for for promotions that are that are maybe not coming in as person in person as much do you have any advice around that or, or like how are you sort of thinking about that at donut
0: so, so we're still fully remote. You know, we're not experiencing it yet at Donut, although we have done a few park meetups and a little co-working and things like that, which are accessible to people who are in the same city and a lot less accessible if you live in a different city. So I think we've experienced it a little bit on that level. Okay. I, I think the biggest thing is the in-person socialization, an actual happy hour or a park meetup can't replace our team brunch every week and and the remote rituals. If you let those things start to slide, then the people that can't make it in person for whatever reason are really going to be left out. So I actually think if you're hybrid, you need to keep a lot, if not all of the remote team building muscles that we've hopefully been building over the last year and a half and keep a lot of those rituals going so that that really comes first. One of the really simple things that I've seen a lot of companies do and and, and we've done anytime two people have, have been in the same uh, location co-working possibly for a day is as soon as one person has to dial into a meeting, everybody dials into a meeting so that you don't have this dynamic of two people sharing a webcam, sharing a mic and being able to talk under their breath to each other and share mm-hmm. a quick idea, not in a malicious way, but just in a human nature kind of way, because you're in the same room as them. And the the advantage of being fully remote is we're all on the same playing field. I mean, we're all we all maybe wish we weren't stuck in a little box on a screen, but at least we're all there together. So we all have the same tools and the same challenges. You know, I'll give another example of something we saw happen a lot during the pandemic that, that I think hybrid companies should keep up is I mentioned we have a lottery feature in Donut. Um, one of the ways of using that is you can have, a, have the lottery be to meet with a specific person. Mm-hmm. So we saw a lot of CEOs do that or other executives because there's so much less executive face time then if they were walking around an office, you might see them. But now if you're not at the level where you're having a meeting with the CEO regularly, you might like never see the CEO when you used to. So one of, I think the, the coolest examples of this, um, Okta's CEO, uh, Todd McKinnon, uh, started running a weekly lottery with Donut to have a one-on-one with just a random Octonaut, as they call their employees, that anybody in the company could opt into. And I think the beauty of being remote is there's no geographical boundary on that, right? You don't have to work in the same office as Todd to have the chance to virtually run into them.
1: I love that example. I think that's that's so effective for, for, for folks to have that opportunity to meet with the CEO or, or with another executive that they that they wouldn't normally get to collaborate with or, or chat with on a on a regular basis. So that's that's really great advice and I think that's really gonna help a lot. Um, so the last couple of minutes here, I, I want to dive into your personal community. I think it's really fascinating how um, community professionals and folks that are building products for, for community building actually navigate their personal communities outside of work. So are there any communities that that you're part of outside of work and why are they meaningful to? you?
0: I think definitely yes, although I think the interesting thing is, you know, most of them don't have a name or a banner that's like, this is a community. It's just a group of people with a shared interest or purpose or ritual that gets together for some reason on some regular (laughs) basis um, to do something. So I think the, for me, some of those examples in my personal life um, are for sure music. Um, There's there's a a lot of different musicians I've, I've played with and collaborated with. Uh, over the years whether in bands or not or just going to jam sessions you know that's that's a different kind of connection um you know when you're when you're playing music with someone you're obviously you're not talking but with your with words um but on some level you are having dialogue yeah I think those those communities just kind of form form around meeting other folks and reconnecting and and playing on an ongoing basis for for a little bit there that was tough to do in the beginning of the pandemic and some of them went online so like my my band had just about wrapped up doing recording a new album and then we started you know doing mixing sessions on zoom and you know recording a little bit at home and sending this part to another person so we found ways to to make it work i think another Community that I've that I've uh, in my personal life has, has been important as I've, you know, played played basketball recreationally for pretty much my my whole life. And there's there's a great kind of ba- uh, basketball pickup culture uh, in New York. And, you know, sometimes those communities you 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 know, you might the only, it's possible the only thing you know about some of the people are their first name and how they play basketball. But, you know, you see them at the court over and over again and and you build that sense of uh, community and and build a relationship on really a a different a different vector. Um, You know, someone's playing style and you know how to play with them. And there's a lot of nonverbal communication that goes into that. Um, And you can really kind of connect over that in a, in a different way.
1: So this is a little bit of a, of a strange question, but I love asking it and, and hearing people's responses. How do you choose your people? You know, like the, the five to six people that are sort of like closest to your closest friends, are there like any qualities or, or anything that you sort of look for? Or is it something that kind of happens more organically?
0: Yeah, so I think for me, it happens, it happens more organically. I don't think of it as a um, sort of explicit, Uh, choices and there's like a list or anything like that I I think it's you know at its at its at its core it's who who do I enjoy spending time with who who brings me joy or happiness in some way and there's a lot of different ways to do that in a lot of different contexts but um, people that are fun to be to be around or that have shared interests or activities I think I just you tend to see them again and spend more time with them and when it's mutual those those turn into uh folks that you become really close with and spend a lot of time with
1: yeah absolutely so my last question for you is and I ask this of everybody on the podcast what does the word community mean to you
0: you're you're gonna be like the uh the, the world's expert on the <laughs> definition of community after asking a lot of people this question. So I, I think for me, it's it's a group of people who have some shared purpose or interest and come together in, in some way, which doesn't necessarily mean in person or, or even synchronously, mm-hmm. but come together in some way um, around that shared purpose purpose mission interest whatever it is um so there's some touch point some some interactivity between the people and the people are, are all there voluntarily for a reason because they enjoy being there and, and like being part of it
1: i love that that's such a cool definition dan thank you so much for for taking the time to chat with me i learned so much and really enjoyed our conversation enjoyed it too. I had such a great time chatting with Dan and I hope you felt inspired by the conversation. You can connect with Dan on Twitter or LinkedIn at Dan Mannion. And as we shared, Donut has a new community, Donut be Strangers. If you're interested in meeting fellow connectors, learning vetted approaches to team engagement and sharing what's worked for you, then you can go to donut.com and use the chat pop-up to request your invitation. Thanks for tuning in to Create Community, a podcast where I chat with incredible community builders to define what community truly means. You can check out the series on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you normally listen. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. I'd really love to hear your feedback. You can also follow us on Instagram at createcommunitypod or check out our website at createcommunitypod.com for updates. Once again, I'm Marsha Drucker, your host, signing off. A huge thank you to Origins Media House for producing this series. You can find them at originsmediahouse.com, where house is spelled H-A-U-S, or on LinkedIn and Instagram at Origins Media House and Twitter at Origins Media.